Hi, I'm Cindy Lauper. My scalp was covered with psoriasis, which could lead to psoriatic arthritis. But Cosentix treats both. Cosentix Ecukinumab is prescribed for adults with moderate to severe plaque psoriasis, 300 milligram dose, and adults with active psoriatic arthritis, 150 milligram dose. Don't use if you're allergic to Cosentix. Before starting, get checked for TB. Serious allergic reactions, severe skin reactions that look like eczema, and an increased risk of infections, some fatal, have occurred. Cosentix may lower ability to fight infections, so tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms like fevers, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough, had a vaccine or plan to, or if IBD symptoms develop or worsen. Learn more at Cosentix.com or 1-844-COSENTIX. Cosentix works for me. Ask your doctor about Cosentix. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the TakeCast. This is Davis Maddox. You can find me on Twitter at Davis Maddox. In this episode of the show, I'm joined by my good friend Pat Mayo. We check in with each other every so often to talk about our golf games, quitting smoking, dieting, lifting weights, you know, all uh, all the usual stuff. Always enjoy talking to Pat. I think he's one of the most interesting guys I've ever had the the pleasure of meeting in the internet spaces. So hope that you guys enjoy this conversation. And if you like the show, you can always get bonus episodes on the Patreon. There's a link to that in the description of this show. You can also leave a rating or review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also tell a friend about the show. That's always very kind as well. Now let's go ahead and get into the episode. All right, everyone. Welcome in to the Take Cast and the PME. I'm Davis Maddock. You can find me on Twitter at Davis Maddock. I'm joined by my great friend, Patrick Mayo. We are, uh, I mean, we do this every so often. We just catch up, we chat. Um, we're going to probably, I mean, maybe we'll talk a little bit about the NFL so that Pat can put it up and we can get some of that sweet, sweet SEO clicks. Um, Pat, do you, do you have this feeling that once week one is over, of the NFL season, you're there, you're set, you're in your routine, and it feels good. But that first week of transitioning from off-season shit to in-season shit is just, I mean, it's chaos. It, it's total. For me, week one, always chaos. Then after that, smooth sailing. See, I find week one is the easiest week because I can work ahead. Like I do sure. my week one rankings show with Sealy. I'm doing that on Mondays now, which is moving up from Tuesdays. So I'm, I'm doing waiver wire and rankings all in one. The first ranking show you're going to see is going to be Sealy and I's. People are like triggered that I didn't don't have graphics made for it. But the whole thing about it now is like we're making the rankings together in real time. Like here are the names. Like so let's put them in a list. Like, well, I can't see it on the screen. It's like, well, I don't have them fucking made. What do you want me to do? Like we're doing it on the show. You can follow along with it, you fucking moron. But, you know, this is where I'm at with week week one. Listen, by week like 12, the regulars are going to be around. It's fun to interact with the people that are always part of the show. But you get like, you know, and it's great. You get like double the amount of people watching the first few weeks. And like you're they're going to get weeded out there. Some people are not long for the Pat Mayo experience and the kind of vibe that I bring. Uh, they don't like being yelled at. They don't like being called stupid or what's wrong with you and just snarky comments back at them. But either way, I was able to do that on Friday. In week one, we do the spread pick show. We were able to do that on Monday instead of Tuesday. So it was really easy to map out the week. I had time for extra shows 
in week one. Then week two hits, and it's like, oh, shit, I got to react to these games. I need to make fresh rankings on a deadline. And now being into week two, I'm trying to develop what my routine is going to be for the next 15 or so weeks. I mean, and it's very important for like the routine. And I mean, this is true, even if you're not in the content space, just like having a routine, if you are someone who really loves the NFL and is in a bunch of fantasy leagues and plays DFS. Like, I feel like the routine is really important because I've had years where my routine gets messed up for whatever reason. I mean, it could be, you know, real life stuff, whatever. And it is like, it is a nightmare when you don't know for me in the fall, if I don't know what my day or my weekend is going to look like, it just, my whole week gets screwed up. Like my sister-in-law got married in the fall of 2019 And that was like a whole thing where we're like out of town and we're like, I just, and I just remember being like, it's going to take me three weeks to get back to where I need to be from this. It's funny because those little micro things can throw off everything that you do throughout the course of the week. Like I actually have to go to a wedding this weekend on Saturday night. And I had made this plan to do these live chats on Sunday morning. Last weekend, I had this family reunion that popped up like my, I had cousins that were in town. It was a chance for my 87-year-old grandmother to see all of her great kids, grandkids, and great-grandkids, all of them, in one place at one time. It's like, well, I can't say no. I have to do a fantasy football chat for this that I'm doing extra. Although people were very upset with me um, in terms of the football space. But uh, my grandma really enjoyed it. And she told me, she's like, this is the last time this is going to happen. Can you come? I was like, yeah, I'll bring my wife and kids too. And it'll be nice. So I didn't get a chance to do it last week. Now I have the wedding this week and I don't have a chance to do that. I might run this on Saturday on my show and you run it on Wednesday on the Take Cast, obviously. Uh, so people can come catch up. Cause I don't think we're going to talk about anything too. Like it's not, it's not like Thursday night football breakdown with Pat and Davis. We yeah, can do, I got, no, I got nothing. We I can do like a breakout one afterwards where we can talk about Aaron Rodgers or something like that. And if, uh, if we did do that, you've probably already seen it or already listened to it at this point. But yeah, so the first two weeks I'm getting thrown off by the, these two events that have come up. But for me, it's less about the weekend. It's more about the weekdays and managing my time. I actually threw away, I not threw away, but I decided not to do some like auxiliary things this year. Like last year, I was so pressed doing everything. Like I'm still doing the golf digest stuff and I'm probably going to refocus on doing more golf during the swing season now. And obviously we have Ryder Cup coming up to mix it up a bit because talking about football seven days a week for 18 straight weeks is going to get kind of monotonous over time. So just having that little bit of breakup is really nice. But like I was doing stuff with Bethsperts last year. I was doing stuff with Odds Checker last year. And it's not a huge lift, but all of a sudden now there's like four extra hours a week that are down. And like, that's why I moved the ranking show to Monday. I was doing the ranking show into an Odds Checker thing, into a, another hit for PGA, into the Spread Pick show. Like my Tuesdays were like you know, f- recording hours, like 11 straight hours. And then we still had to edit and I still had to do all the research and everything like that. Like, I don't know. Uh, am I costing myself money? Yeah, absolutely. I am. But uh, yeah, we do talk about work, work-life balance. And I decided to make a non-greedy decision for the first time in a very long time. I guess like a decade and a half of making super greedy decisions allows me to have the flexibility to not make the greedy decision all of a sudden, but just to get that extra, like you know, last year, my wife and I went on like a 21 day trip to three separate countries, stayed in the nicest places because I took all these extra stuff this year. We're just not going to do that. <laughs> no, no 21 day, uh, 21 day vacation. I do. I feel that pretty often where it's like, 
there's something I could be doing right now that would be making me money. I mean, it could be it could be anything, right? It could be a, a DFS slate I'm missing or not working as hard. It could be content for the Patreon I'm making and not making. It could, I mean, it just it could literally be anything. There's always something given the space that we work in. I mean, there's pretty much always something you could be doing to be making yourself more money, right? And so there is a trade-off of being like, well, I guess. I'm going to go enjoy myself, live my life. I'm going to do X, Y, and Z instead of doing an activity that makes you money, which is just like such an, it's just such a, an evil pull, right? To have that, to have that nagging thing of being like free time equals unproductive time, you know, which is like not the way the human brain works. The human brain needs to like decompress itself and not be focused on a task all the time. So like uh, it is, it is, that is kind of brutal. Well, I've decided to dedicate that time to both working on different projects, video editing projects that I'm working on, like privately, and then hopefully they will become public at some point. And just, you know, working on the back end of some sort of sites, working on marketing material, that kind of thing. So I still am working, but it's just there's a big difference to me, at least, between performing on air and hosting my show and getting everything ready, getting the graphics ready, coordinating the guests, making sure that you know I have my rundown of what I'm going to talk about and being able to make it an entertaining show. Like I, my wife always laughs at me. She's like, you, you work two hours today. It's like, yeah, but those two hours, like I'm giving it my all here. I'm not just like leaning back like I'm sweating afterwards. It's like a real workout. People, people underrate that part of it because it, I mean, we're sitting here right now, like this show for me, when I do this with you is not a heavy lift because I have no idea what I'm going to talk about. You don't come in with a plan. We just kind of talk. That's fine. Yeah. When you're like having to stick to like strict things, doing in and outs, ad reads, everything like that. And you have to make it the, the not most boring show on the planet. It can, it can get tiresome after a while. Like you do feel exhausted afterwards. I mean, the average person is so bad on camera. I think, I mean, I'm sure you get this all the time. I could do your job. It'd be very easy to be Pat Mayo. I mean, all you do is talk about fantasy football on a camera. How hard could it be? But the average person, and I've seen this, right? I've seen this in my life when people need to public speak or when people need to do a presentation or whatever. I mean, the the average person is so, so bad at effectively communicating their ideas to begin with. And then when you add in, the need to not stumble over your words and the need to be like a little bit entertaining, not even like really entertaining, but just a little bit entertaining people. I mean, they, they, it, it goes to zero so fast. I was at a wedding. I forget when it was. And this guy, he was like my friend's sister's husband. He's a doctor, handsome fella sure. too. He was just telling me how like, you know, he, he, I, he should, I should have him on the show because he's really good at fantasy. So I was like, all right. I was like, I had pulled out my phone. I was like, give me a minute straight on this guy. And I just pressed record. <laughs> and um, and he, he, never asked me. he never asked me again. Yeah. Yeah. I Maybe that's because I, I, I get that. I don't get that all that often. Um, general. Actually, I get I normally get the other thing. Do you ever get this? Like so, someone pull, you know pulls their ESPN league up on their phone. And they're like, what do you think of my team? Uh, which, you know, I don't mind. Like, that's fine. I actually like I I. At this stage, right now, when we're recording this, like football is awesome. I'm loving the new information we're getting. I'm I'm making waiver claims. I'm figuring out, you know, am I going to win a million dollars playing fantasy football this year? Like, do I have any really good teams? Do I not? But like by like week eight, you're and you're like, okay, I'm probably not going to win the million dollars this year. I'm I'm stuck in DFS. 
uh, you know, uh, your your favorite team, whoever it might be. Maybe they stink. Maybe they they. I mean, my favorite team took a a terrible loss on the opening night of the season, losing a home game to Jared Goff. I mean, it's not it's not exactly the mental space that you want to be in. But right now, football is amazing, and even even the work that I think is like more taxing for me. Like the actually the the most taxing show that I do is my waiver show because I just do it by myself. So it's just me talking to the microphone for 30 minutes and I can't be stumbling and I can't be Googling. So I have to like write out a script beforehand pretty much like that is actually one of the hardest things I do. But this week, the waivers were awesome. They were there was a lot of actually interesting things to talk about and think about. But when it's again, when it's week eight, and Dallas Goddard's out, and I have to look up, you know, Jack Stoll and Grant Calcaterra's college stats, and then then it gets to be a b- little bit like, who is this even for? Like, wh- who who is enjoying this? Because it's definitely not me. Well, that's a part of it too. Like, there are some shows that I've gotten rid of, like over the course of the season. Like, someone asked me why I'm not doing like a dedicated waiver wire show anymore, or you know, coming up with my waiver wire column anymore. It's like I just don't want to because I don't care. <laughs> That, that's just yeah because you 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 are you and i are you and i are very different in the sense that you actually like don't care that much about playing fantasy football like you like it and you like dfs but like the idea of like making waivers or having to be in like i'm 12 leagues or whatever i'm just, just done like, with not it. interesting to you I, i'm yeah. done with it like i i went through the phase of time the reason that i got into this is because i love playing fantasy football but I, I played like 49 leagues one year and it just broke me and i play in one now the same one yeah. that I played. Well, I mean, in that's the past too many years. That's too many. Like that is that I I think I think I am in uh 13 managed leagues and that's a lot. I've got speaking of of routines and and processes. I I've got that pretty streamlined in terms of like I've got time blocked out to do waivers. I've got time blocked out to look at everything. I didn't like doing that. I thought that's like that. That was, it, it was fun. Like, you know, when that was fun, when I legitimately had nothing going on in my life. Cause it well, gave I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a dad. I'm not, I'm not a dad. But even right? before I was a dad, like, I mean, I've been a dad for four years now and this started well before 2019, like in 2006, when I legit was in college and like, just, Hey, I, I don't want to write this essay. Let, let me make come up with some trades and try to pick up some dudes in fantasy baseball and fantasy football. Like that's basically all I did during the course of a day. But like now, like I still love the rankings. I think the rankings are really fun. I love debating them. That part is really fun to me. But with waiver wire, it's like, yeah, after the first, like the first few weeks are usually pretty compelling because you can make some sort of cases. And I've integrated yeah, but that week into five. The, week I've just five integrated waivers. it into the ranking show. But yeah, by week right. five, it's like, yeah, here are the same three tight ends that I've told you to pick up every week to stream. Yeah. Yeah. It does. There are, there are extreme diminishing returns with waiver wires. I mean, they're like, got like, you know, all right. Uh, Trey McBride ran seven more routes than Zach Ertz last week. So it's time, it's time to spend eight of your fab dollars on Trey McBride. And I mean, I've actually, from a content side, I mean, I'm sure you've seen this too, like engagement and stuff, just like it, it literally <laughs> is a linear progression downward. Uh, like I was talking to Holka so Holka obviously is the one who put me on doing the threads and the threads are massive. Like they, they do so much. I did one for week one that got 502,000 impressions, like one of my biggest impression threads. And next week it'll probably be like 410. And then the week after that, maybe it'll hold steady, but by about week eight or nine, it goes down a lot. And then by week 12, 
no one cares anymore. Like people who are, you know, they're not checking their leagues anymore. They're not setting their lineups. Like no one cares anymore by that point. And part of it is that there's not new information to be gained. Like there's only so much. The the Cincinnati Bengals are not going to change. They're like so static. They're they just are the team they're going to be in week one, and it's the team they're going to be in week ten. And weekly, it'll just be who scores touchdowns and who doesn't. Right. So there's no more information to gain basically. But yeah, like I'll I'll probably stop doing the threads by like week ten or eleven because Hulk is like, dude, there's no point in doing them. Like it's not it's not a growth strategy at that point. So I so I can unmute you at that point. You can unmute me then. I mean, there'll still probably be a lot of fantasy football tweets, but definitely less really nerdy, intense fantasy football tweets at that point. Yeah, people, people, it's so funny in our little world. People hate the threads, right? And they, I get it. They're they're obnoxious. Like, I understand why people don't like them. But, but I also is, understand why you do it at the same time. I, I get why you do it. It's just I do find them really annoying. They are very annoying, but it is indisputable the growth. I mean, like yesterday, I think I got like 700 new followers from doing this thread. Like it just, it, I don't know why it works. I don't even know why Twitter, uh, you know, promotes them so hard. Like I don't get for, for me, if I was building an algorithm for a website, I would not boost this thing up that much, but it, it really is one of those few indisputable things. Like if you're, if you're new in the content space, or if you're trying, if you have say you have 15,000 followers or something and you're trying to kind of level up, go to the next rung. I mean, like focusing on YouTube obviously would be a huge part of it, something I've not done at all. But the thread thing, it's it's just a hack. It it really is. And I kind of thought it would change actually because this was the the thread thing was pre-Elon. And I thought he'd be like, oh, well, these are annoying. I'm, I'm nuking those. And it hasn't happened at all. Maybe I should pay someone to write these for me and then post them. You you could just do it on Chat GPT. I mean, you could get you could get a ten tweet fantasy football thread off Chat GPT, post it, and it would do the same thing. Chat GPT, perfect. Yeah. So the way I kind of explain the content space uh, for me and why, like the last vestige, I, I still do my like rankings update on the weekend and injury report, everything like that. But like getting rid of the waiver wire show, like for me now it goes betting content at the top, then. DFS content than season long content, which is weird because the inverse is probably the best way to attract eyeballs. But that linear progression, like right. you talked about that, you know, like the the week one ranking show I did with Jake, you know, that gets like 200,000 downloads, gets like 35,000 views on YouTube. By the time that we get to week 16 with the ranking show, I mean, let's not even call it week 16 because that's in the fantasy playoffs. Let's call it week 13. Like that ranking show that was 30,000 views on YouTube in week one is now like 4,000 in week 16. However, the betting show grows every single week. People tune in every single week. The DraftKings show, people do become less intense like right around Christmas time. But generally that grows throughout the course of the year. So I was like, well, do I want to have overall this huge spike at the very beginning of every year, or do I want to build a sustainable show where I know the amount of people that are going to watch, I can help grow on that. And then like three months from now, those people are actually still going to be there and just see and season long fantasy football. People don't pay the bills, man. That's the one thing that's, Oh, that's, that's very true. Yes. So, I mean, that's really the, the big difference. Like, you, I, this is no disrespect to anyone because everyone has different interests, but guy sweating his $10 fantasy football league is 
it's a nothing to the bottom line of the Pat Mayo experience. The guy betting a thousand dollars a week on football and golf and or the guy playing 500 bucks a week on DraftKings across these sports. That's a net positive. That's the player and viewer that I need to cater to if I want to you know, make this a business and be able to live on it. And I think that there's a lot of people in this space who want to do this full time that don't realize that. Yeah, you have to cater to betting and DFS content because that is a high-velocity money situation where advertisers are aware of that. The DFS players and betting players are going to spend more money. And I mean, I I don't I actually don't know if you do this, but like I'm not in the I'm not in the affiliate game at all. Like like yeah, like I don't do. I I technically am with Prize Picks because uh, they sponsor the Dogger Pass podcast. It's not my show. But sure. they do have like an affiliate agreement with them. Like they get their their downside guaranteed to produce the show, but they also have upside with the affiliates that they can get to sign up. So I like I I've not been in that game, but that's just, just like a lot of the a lot of other YouTubers are they do the affiliate game, right? They do it with prize picks or underdog, or I mean, there are a billion of these sites that are out there. And if you are gonna be hammering the affiliate game, I mean, one, you have to be doing content specifically for that app, but you have to be do you you are not catering to the the start set bros at all. You are not, you know, um, it's actually it's actually sort of interesting. You know, we've seen this with a lot of high profile fantasy guys where their audiences that have been curated from the guys who've been doing this for 10, 15 years or whatever, their audiences are actually not specifically curated to spend money because they are season-long bros so we've seen divorces of these companies that uh or 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 these personalities and these companies because it it was never a situation that brought in enough income you know like it which is which is sort of interesting like you would think like oh you have three hundred thousand twitter followers like you it's got to be really easy to monetize that but it's not really if you've not curated a money spending audience. Yeah, that's why when you see either a subscriber count or Twitter followers or Instagram followers, whatever it might be, like there is a real business out there of people who can kind of see through what's real and what's not. Not to say that they have 300,000 fake followers, but are they 300,000 valuable followers? And that's one thing that I have. And I know that you try to do the same thing as well. Like you're trying to cast a very broad net and then people will get weeded out over time based on what you talk about. And that's what I've done as well, right. that you know, my audience is a hardcore audience with this stuff. Like when I go to add, like it's hard for me sometimes because there's people with bigger followings or bigger shows. I'm like, you want to put your stock in with me because the people who watch my show and listen to my show are people that are going to buy shit. Like they, It's not that they don't care about money, but money is fluid to them on the internet. Uh, they will buy things because they're like, there's a lot of people I know who are betting like legitimately like, you know, 5,000 bucks a week, 10,000 bucks a week, whatever it might be. And they're fans of the show. Like, yeah, of course they're going to buy, you know, factor meals for the week or whatever. <laughs> it's 70 yes. bucks. I mean, that care? that is, and, and there are, obviously there are many different ways to, to skin the cat, you know, like something, something I, if I were to ever try to operate my, my own business, start my own, Thing or whatever i've always sort of uh subscribed to the thousand true fans model which works better for the type of content i really like to do and for my personality than i think it would for the pme like i think the thousand true fans thing would not 
work for like your business model. Your business model is way better. And you're just better at this than me. You're a better ideas guy. And you actually are just willing to work harder than me and have better admin skills than I do. So you are able actually to effectively cast a wider net, which is not to say like, I'm like hyper specialized or anything like that, which is not true. But if I were to follow that road, I, I think I would do better actually doing the thousand true fans mom charge. Actually, it's like, um, like, uh, Ben, Ben Gretsch used to work for CBS and does his sub stack now. Like he, do, he has like, and he was on this show about a month ago. He's got like the narrowest possible fishing line available, you know, just like super nerdy in-depth analysis of NFL games. And like, that's it. That's all you're paying for. And I mean, one, he had like a first mover advantage. He was one of the first guys to do a sub stack for fantasy football. So that really helped. But it was also just that the people who love Ben, they are paying for Ben. They're paying for his takes basically on what's happening in the NFL. And it's it's a totally sustainable model with, uh, I mean, I probably more than a thousand, but still the, the, the idea there is not exponential growth basically. It's not, but the, the, I, I've toyed around with that idea before, be it like a, a Patreon bonus episode. I mean, or just be the fantasy footballers and just be the best of all of these worlds and have your hand right. in everything. Yes. Yeah. And just <laughs> yeah. print those, money. Those guys are the best. But we, uh, we we all can't be them. So like when I look at it, whether because I do have a sub stack as well, it has like 21,000 people on it, but it's free. And you like sometimes when you put it in, I don't put it in, but like Substack puts it in. It's like if this was to go to a paid model, like would you pledge support to it? And like I looked at it the other day, it's like people said that they like your readers would pledge four thousand dollars a month to like a Substack that you would charge for like this, this exact same one if it was behind a paywall. It's like, well, I don't want to put it behind a paywall. And that's always right. been kind of my jam of not putting things behind a paywall because whatever you're at when you go behind the paywall is as big as you're ever going to get. How do you grow? I mean, I think that How do you, you have to you have to offer something that is free that can be used as a lure um, for 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 most people. I mean, there are some people who have almost like um, Ethan Sherwood Strauss, who uh, I'm like fascinated with. I, I he was actually he was actually on the take. Is he, is he the, is he the Warriors writer? Well, he was the Warriors writer. He did a hard content pivot after he left. The war uh after he left kind of the NBA beat. He's sort of now more like uh it's it's sort of hard to explain. It's like he he's he's sort of on the cutting edge of like, is this guy a libertarian? Is he a super lib? And that it, it all kind of that legitimately like, sounds like the worst fucking content alive. No, no, no. You would you would like him. You would you would actually I I think if you had I and I I'm uh, a subscriber on his Substack and it's it's basically just sort of Why do I care takes, about that stuff though? No, no. It's all it's all sports. It's all sports, right? But it's oh. sort of the it's the um it's the conversation about how politics intersects with sports and how fake all the conversations have gotten. You know, everyone is just posturing all the time and Ethan sort of attempts to cut through all that. And he's got a lot of um, knowledge of the inner workings of how ESPN and the athletic and these larger sports entities work and how, you know, the, obviously these are not political institutions and just sort of, sort of a, a, a maybe a, a critique of the wokeness of 21st century uh, major corporations and how obviously it's like very fake yeah. wokeness. Yeah. Like, and, and it is, 
Uh, it, I just find his stuff really fascinating. And but but you have to, I think. The, the point I was trying to make is you have to have a very unique hook that you are offering people like I'm not going to go subscribe to someone's newsletter that is just you know fantasy football takes like I I do subscribe to Ben and to Karain's I mean they're my friends and I would probably do that anyways but I thought I, I was find... your friend you don't subscribe to mine I do I'm a I'm a Mayo Media uh Mayo Media Network subscriber go go put my email in the newsletter see see I went the other way with the newsletter like it's just cold hard facts and jot note points like you want to know what the injuries are this week here are the injuries you need a you need a link to a ranking here are the rankings well that that's a valuable that's a valuable service too but not a pay pay growth model yes but i I think it's a good growth model in terms of getting subs to the newsletter but no one's ever going to want to pay for this this is all stuff you can find for free i've just aggregated it all in one place because i i mean i just always wanted that is what it yes. just came down to. Like there's, you know, there's some notes in there. There's some spin in there. If there's a bet, there's an explanation behind it or whatever, but it's more just like, what's the information that I need going into Thursday night, Sunday. And then like after Monday, like what just happened? Like if I, if you missed anything, here's the stuff that now, now you don't need to like go searching to three separate sites to go figure this out. Here's all like the pertinent info you need. And here are the links to the shows. Oh, also uh, run the sims.com. Code Mayo will get you 10% off. You've been fucking around with it. We got a new tool coming. New tool coming out in like two weeks, I think. I'm very excited. Yeah, I, so I've used it for, uh, I used it for the Chiefs showdown and for uh, the Monday Night Football, uh, the Bills, the Bills Jets showdown. Uh, Definitely a little bit of a learning curve changing from just a straight solver, you know, just from a, a something that spits out the 150 highest projected point I mean, it, lineup. It does do that too. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to use it that way, though. The point the point of wanting to use it was trying to not uh, lose my ass to all the people who have way better tools and computers and mathematical skills than me. So definitely now the lineups that I made on Thursday, last Thursday for the the chief stuff, they were terrible. I, I couldn't really get what I wanted. I ended up, you know, just uploading it. I just didn't really understand what I was doing. Did some postmortem on it. And I think the lineups that I made were a lot better for the the next showdown slate. So I'm hoping that improves. I'm hoping that the the next 150 set is even better and that I I learn more about like what I'm actually doing inside of the tool. Yeah, like I mean when Justin created this, he was like, "Hey, like everyone's doing these like I mean the next big thing is going to be like the Sims of the Sims essentially." And he's like, "I'm just going to make it for the site." I was like, "All right, go nuts." Uh that sounds like a great idea, but like when I was talking to him about it and like, even you, I was like, I'm never going to use this. You realize this. He's like, Oh no, I know this is a very specialty product. But again, it's knowing the audience that you're going for. Like, like, listen, if I'm playing, like, I think I played 900 bucks last week on DraftKings or something like that. Like that was all my entries, which is probably way more than most people, but definitely not enough to be, investing into a $300 a month product to run Sims on Sims. Like I'm not 150 maxing out things. I'm playing in higher stakes, single entries and higher stakes. I mean, higher stakes, not the highest stakes, but like those middle, like $150, $200, relatively. $333. What's that? Relatively higher stakes. Yeah, relatively higher stakes than like the the $10 or the $3 or something like that. I'm not playing in the, the, the 2180 or the 444 or anything like that. But like, to fit in my bankroll and what I'm trying to do, like owning that is not a good idea for me. Now I have access to it, 
So I can use it if I want to, because, you know, I co-own the site with Justin. So that's helpful. But it's a, another thing where if I'm gearing my content, right, towards betters, DraftKings players, people that are actively investing money in the sporting space, it only takes like you one, two to 10 of the players who actually need these sims to kind of make it worthwhile to develop because they're the real high stakes players. Like that's who that tool is for. So I, I don't think that like, and honestly, I, when I use run the Sims for showdown, I think it is the best showdown tool out there. It's made me better at showdown, but I don't even play the main slate on showdown. I just play second half showdown and rake. <laughs> Interesting. I mean, I assume people are just way worse at that. There's no content they're for that. So bad. Yeah. And just yeah. at run the Sims, it's just two clicks. Doot, doot, boom, upload. Pretty good. I mean, do you mess with the projections at all? Or uh, just, yeah, I, I depending on what the score of the game is, like I, I did, I mean, Justin won the second half showdown for Lions Chiefs. I ended up coming, I think, 11th in the contest, but he played 150. I played 10 lineups, but I basically just looked at the scores like, oh, I'm just going to readjust that a little bit and seeing things like Laporta, seeing a bunch of targets in the first half. It's like, oh, he actually is like I can bump up his target share because they're actually throwing him the ball. Uh, and just kind of decreased everyone on the chief side. It's like, oh, like I basically don't want any of these pass catchers. I'll just pump up Mahomes, pump up Pacheco and be good to go. And it turns out that like having doing all that and adjusting the score in that weird way just led me to Lions D, which was like the, the guy that you needed. Well, I mean, that is uh, that's very good advice in general. Is that a slate where no one is playing the defense? Like if the defense is going to be sub 10 percent owned or whatever, they they I, well, the Sims are going to give you a good bit of them in general, just because uh, the EV of spots that are so low owned is so high. So that is it's just it's just generally good advice. DFS just very hard to win these days. It is not winning a DFS very hard even for people who are way smarter and uh way better at at fantasy sports than me yeah i'm never really been all that concerned about winning i'm just concerned about having fun and not losing all my money oh, well that is that is kind of that is kind of the goal of the game so you wanted to talk about quitting smoking are you attempting to do that right now or like what 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 prompted this well, I mean, I've been trying to quit smoking for like 10 years, but never really gave it. A, the only time that I gave it like a real go, I think it was in 2016. I remember because I went to uh, Smiz's uh, DFS boot camp. I was one of the speakers there in L.A. Damn. And I had been on Champex for two months at that point. I starting on New Year's. I went on Champex and I have never been like I gained like 30 pounds in two months um just because i refused to get out of bed because i got so fucking depressed from taking this fucking pill when they say you know might cause depression well it did for me uh immediately Damn. i didn't quit smoking though that was nice um but i went down to that trip and i didn't bring like i just i went and met up with my brother he, he was like you want a cigarette i was like absolutely i do absolutely, <laughs> and i was just I smoking do. again now it was pretty yeah. i lost the 30 pounds really quickly once i started smoking again so that was like the last time that I actually really tried it. But, you know, now I have two little kids and I I did find myself like waking up with a sore throat from time to time. Um, never really had happened before. So I was like, you know, for football season, I, th I think I just I, I got to quit. Like I I'm going to have to quit eventually or I'm going to die. I'm probably going to die anyway because of this shit because I did it for 18 years. But either way, if I quit now, maybe I'll have a little bit of room at the end of my life and maybe I'll feel better in the short term. So I just, we went on a golfing trip, uh, the, the annual boys trip that we do with 16 of us, uh, over the weekend. I'm, 
I brought five packs of cigarettes to smoke in four days. And I made sure that I smoked every single one Get all the way through just to go all the way through them. Not to, as like one last hurrah. It's just like, I want to feel so sick of cigarettes by the time I get home that I'll not want to smoke again. And like, I had all the stuff set up that like, I'm going to go to an acupuncturist to make sure, like, see if that works, whether that works or not. I have no idea. But then that fell through. And just I woke up, I was like, I'm just not going to smoke anymore. And that was it. I haven't smoked since. How long ago was that? Uh, three and a half weeks. Damn. Do you feel better? Do you feel clear? Like, does your do your lungs feel clear? Do you feel is you, like how's your appetite and all that stuff? Like, is it all Do you just feel normal? Yeah. The first three days were fucking brutal. Um, yeah. My wife was like, you seem very angry. I was like, I am very yeah, no angry. shit. I feel angry. Uh, so then I had to go to the store and buy some nicotine gum. And like once I started chewing that for a little bit, I was like, all right. But then I chewed so much one day that like my jaw got sore because I never chewed gum. I was like, all right, well, I got to stop doing this. And I, I don't want to fuck around with a vape because as I tried that once, my my wife saw me smoking a vape. She's like, I would prefer you smoke cigarettes. Like, this is just a bad look for you. I was like, you know what? You're right. <laughs> It Very is a bad, bad look. look. Not, not nothing, nothing, nothing looks stupider. I've done it all. I've done nicotine gum. I've done vape. I've done chew. I've got my actual favorite way is um the uh the pouches, the the nicotine like nicotine skull pouches. pouches. Uh no, like Zen. So it's not even it's not even tobacco, it's just the nicotine pouch. That's okay. all it is. Um that that is my favorite. Uh, I d have not smoked cigarettes in a long time. Like I, I think the last time I smoked, uh, I think the last time I bought a pack of cigarettes was at my bachelor party, which was a, a, a long time ago. And so I don't, but I am still super addicted to nicotine. I've done, and just because nicotine gum, pouches, vape, whatever, I just am, I'm on all of them. Well, once I got into like week two of doing it, it's like, well, I don't want to do any of this stuff anymore because I, I, I want to alleviate all of the nicotine going into my body. So as it turns out, that wasn't a problem at all. I don't need any of this stuff anymore. The hardest thing for me to do was break the habit of like taking five minutes to go smoking, finishing, having a cigarette before coming on with you, doing this show and being like, oh, that was a good show. Let's go for a cigarette. <laughs> right. I mean, that is that is uh, that is a very real thing that like the habits are actually one of the hardest parts. I mean, the the power of habit is so massive in the human mind and you don't even realize it until you're trying to break one or you are establishing a new one. And I mean, it could be anything, you know, from uh, like when you wake up in the morning to when you go to bed at night, like it just the, I that's something I've really realized as someone who like never really had a routine until I got to be like 28, 29 or whatever. And now- that I'm in my routine, I just like any break of it, I really hate. And cigarettes are such a routine habit thing. Yeah. So like, I mean, I don't know how long it takes to like break one of these habits, but mm -hmm. I'd say like three, four weeks is probably what you're looking at. I do have a sponsor for the show uh, for the first two weeks that I was using like these little pills, like they're like lozenges. They, they really did help. I had like one or two a day because uh, I, I you, there's certain benchmarks that you have to hit, like prime smoking times. Like if you go out drinking, are you going to smoke? So I went to a friend's bachelor party, like, geez, a week and a half ago or whatever it was. Uh, everyone is smoking. Everyone is drinking. Like that was tough not to smoke. And I would like to get to a point where if I am out at a bachelor party, I can have a cigarette and just not think about it again. But I'm definitely not at that point right now uh, where I can just like have one and be like, I'll just have one. 
And then one becomes like a cart immediately that I'm like rushing to the store to go get. So we're through that. Golf was big. Uh, I've now been through three rounds without smoking. I was very concerned about that's when the lozenges really came in handy because like that, that goes hand in hand. I'm just like every, every power five, get up there, hit your drive. You're like, all right, I got like a three minute walk. Let's have a cigarette. Walk up to this. Calm down. Helps relax you. Play a little bit better. Um, but I miss it so much. But it's one of those things. I, I can, I, have, what I've, what I can I, have one. What, what I've come I can to have learn one. is you're not going to quit unless you actually do want to quit. And that was always yes. my problem the other times, like knowing I need to quit, but not actually wanting to quit. I did want to quit this time. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm with you. Um, I, I, that that's actually probably the number one thing is that if you're quitting, cause you feel you have to, or your spouse wants you to, or like, Oh, like my, I, I want to work out more. I want to start running or just like whatever the, whatever the thing is um, you, you do, you have to want to do it because it's gotta be the, your, your willpower and your motivation has to be fairly high to get there. And I mean, most people just are, have no motivation or willpower and are just, you know, sloths anyways. So it's hard, it's hard to access that, but that is, I mean, it's for me right now, my thing is not smoking. It's, um, I, I have like a weight loss bet going right now. And that is actually like, for me, I can have one cigarette. I can go golf. Someone can have a cigarette. I can, I can have one. It's fine. But if I, uh, I don't know, let's say I'm on, it's, I've been in this spot. I'm, I'm on vacation. I'm traveling. Oh, I'm I go back to Kansas city for my fantasy football draft or whatever. And like, Oh, all right. We're, uh, we're going to go get, uh, something for breakfast and, uh, okay. And then we get a hamburger at the turn at the golf course and then we're we're going out for dinner and then we're having dessert and then i'm like i just i just ate four thousand fucking calories today like nope like i i actually struggle more with like not just eating whatever the fuck i want than i ever did i think with smoking i mean maybe i'm making that up because i used to smoke a lot i used to smoke a pack of cigarettes a day so that's probably not true but it feels very similar to me you see, I, I'm sort of in that mix right now because I do find myself like I'll just aimlessly walk around my living room at nighttime um, for like three minutes at a time. My wife will look at me like, what in God's name are you doing? It's like, this is when I used to like, this is me wanting to go for a cigarette right now to fill this time. And like, now I don't know what to do. And I'm just walking in the kitchen, looking in the cupboard, being like, oh, that granola bar. It's only like 100 calories. Like, it's not bad yes. for me. But like when you're eating eight of those a day, all of a sudden, it's like, the, oh, the okay. boredom, the boredom eating when you work from home is like that. That really gets me. And I'm down. I'm down like 28 pounds right now. So like it since like, when? generally uh, since since july 4th that was the day we started the day we started july 3rd okay i mean that's, that's a we, good amount for two and a half months at this point what what have you been doing because i i mean when we talked about the routine part of my nfl routine of content is actually kind of coinciding with my work routine like i have a routine for golf and content from april to september because all of it is kind of just geared around alleviating time for myself to go golfing throughout the course of the week like can i structure my content this way where i can play a morning round and do content or do content and then play an afternoon round before i have to go pick my kids up and make sure that they still get to school or take them to soccer or swimming whatever it might be there's a lot of moving parts that go around and structuring that now based on my schedule like i try to work out a lot i try to work out pretty hard 
not like hard, hard every single day, all seven days a week during football season. But like, I, I mean, before this, I had 13,000 steps in before we started recording today. <laughs> I probably, let's say I probably had, I probably had 8,000, but not. So I, I work out hard five days a week, like lifting heavy weights, um, Monday through Friday. And then I do cardio after and then I do cardio in the afternoon. So normally just normally just like a three or four mile walk with my dog. I'm getting about 14, 15,000 steps in a day lifting heavy. But I I mean, I'm just calorie restricting very severely. Uh, I'm not I eat at about, the moment. I, I, I'm on team. Just eat whatever the fuck you want right now. And I need yeah. to get back uh, to the so point. And I need to get back to the point where that's just Sundays because that's always one of some of the fun of Sunday for yes. me. Like people come over to watch football and we just order every, like 10,000 calories worth of food. And it's just like, this is fucking great. And like, so I don't need what... to care. I just had a huge lift this morning. I've been good all week. This makes it worth it. Yes. So that's what I'm doing now is I I, I was doing like one cheat day a week. And normally it would be like going out to dinner with my uh, my my parent, uh, my my family, my I guess my in-laws. And now it's Sunday. I'll just, I'll, I'll order whatever I'll, I'll, you know, I'll door dash some wings. I'll, I'll just, whatever it is, whatever I want to eat on Sunday, I can do that. Um, but it, it is because I've been try I've just had reasons to travel. I've just been here and there a little bit and it is hard. It's like extremely hard to calorie restrict when you are traveling it's like oh you know i gotta i gotta input this shit from the menu into my calorie tracking oh see see it's just easy to fuck off i guess you're doing a bet so you really need to track macros as heavy as that like i just kind of look at it like is this above is this a below 500 meal 500 to a thousand meal a thousand or over meal and if it's like i can kind of slot everything into those one of the big things you can do when you travel is just try to I, I don't want to say don't go to dinner and shit like that because that's my favorite thing to do when I'm on vacation or traveling, Big whatever time. it might be. Yes. But it's like cleaning up your breakfast and lunch kind of thing. Like, are there meals, stock meals that you know you can grab on the go, even when you're not at home and just kind of make up the difference there? Yeah, I mean, the easiest thing to do in general when you're trying to lose weight, and this is true when you're at home or when you are on the road, is to skip a meal. I mean, that that literally yeah, is the I, I don't feel thing. good. Like, I know that I, it was the same thing when I did intermittent fasting, too. Like, eventually I got used to it. But, like, I just have no energy if I skip a meal. I don't. So right now, I'm talking to you at 9.18 Central Time. I lifted weights this morning. I did 30 minutes on the stairs. I haven't eaten since last night dinner since you know six o'clock or whatever yeah, but you, you should and be getting fucking pro if you're gonna lift heavy like that you should be downing protein the moment that you finish that lift like you're losing fat but you're not like retaining any muscle at the same time i i don't i, I mean the science on that is like very it depends on like who you're reading and when and what's but you don't think that eating protein to build muscle when you're lifting heavy every all the time you, you don't think that's gonna be a good move I mean, I'm eating, I'm eating about 200 grams of protein a day though. Like uh, I'm, I'm basically eating, I'm basically eating like really low fats and really low carbs. Like probably for lunch, I will just have four eggs and some chicken and that'll be about, it'll be about 450 calories. No, that is I'll not, I mean, are you having good. egg whites or are you having eggs? Eggs. Eggs. So there's what? A hundred per egg calories. So there's 400 More right like there more like 80, more like 80. And then I'll do like five ounces of chicken breast. So maybe it'll be more like 550, but that's fine. I mean, that still puts me in line for 1100 calories for dinner. And I'm go because I skipped breakfast. 
I don't know. I just, I, I feel like I wouldn't have any energy, any energy to function throughout the course of the day. Like I need, like, cause I, I went on a run this, I would, I did a five mile run this morning and like, even beforehand, like I just had to have a slice of toast before going. Like, I just couldn't sure. do it on an empty stomach. Like I need, I need energy to burn, especially when I'm waking up. And like, if I'm going to do what you're doing, I have like the world's most cowardly workouts where like, I'm not pushing to like, I mean, if you really want to lose weight or you really want to get into shape, like you need to break through that barrier and push yourself as hard as you can go. I feel like if I'm not fueled properly, then I'm not going to be able to do it. I'm just going to give up. My body doesn't have it in it to go. I mean, I definitely am lifting less weight right now than I was three months ago. Like I was like my max deadlift was like 405 pounds three months ago. And right now, like I'll, de I'll deadlift tomorrow. And I'll probably won't go higher than 315. I probably will just leave it there. And I can do that a couple times, but it'll, I will, I just won't have gas to go higher than that. And I mean, the same thing is true for all the compound, like all the, the traditional lifts. Like I won't be able to do any more than that just because I, one, my body weight is less. I mean, there's a big difference between deadlifting when you're 185 pounds and deadlifting at 160 pounds. Like you just, you're, you have less force see, no, see I, I don't believe that at all like i remember when i was like when i was like over the summer i probably put on about 15 pounds i probably got up to like 175 like 180 i'm back down to like 170 165 right now and i can put up 225 on the bench again i couldn't when i was 180 because i wasn't working out well i mean well that's obviously part of it because i've never i've been working out consistently for the last two or three years i just haven't I, I've just eaten whatever I wanted. So it's easy to get fat when you, when you eat whatever you want, but that's also 225. I've, I've done all the gym bro stuff, all the big weights, but I cannot bench press 225 because my form is such shit. I just, I can't, I can't do it. So you I'm, should be, I'm you should be good you. at it. You're little like me. You have little arms. There's there's less space to have to go down. And it's, <laughs> it's, I, it, it really is just for, I can't get, I can't get that leg drive, you know? I, I mean, this is very insight-based, but I dig can't your do heels it. in, flex your glutes, get a bridge on the go, and fucking get that shit up, coward. When I'm done, when I'm done with this bet, and I'm eating more, and I'm probably eating in the morning more, I will. That I, that's what it's one of my goals. It was so one of I I had um I had two goals for the year, which was to weigh 160 pounds for at least one day, which I've already done, and to bench. 225 and uh i also wanted to run five miles without vomiting which i have done because i it, i have not run before this year in since i was in college really probably well it, it's really funny like because i mean i've always run like even when i was a heavy smoker uh, up until yeah. th three and a half weeks ago running right now much easier <laughs> oh i mean it's it's it, even you'll feel that a week after not smoking. I mean, it's crazy how much your, the lungs are actually like one of the most regenerative parts of our bodies. They bounce back so fast. So yeah, that is, I mean, you got to feel great running. Yeah. I'm like Lance Armstrong training in the mountains and the Rocky mountains, trying to get that altitude poisoning while I'm riding on my bike. I, you know, I just smoked for two decades and ran the entire time. And I'm just like, yeah, here we go. You give me 20 miles. I'm going to keep going. My body is starting to hurt more than like, I actually get out of breath at this point. It's great yes yeah i mean just in in general though i would uh i would advise um lifting weights and running to everyone it's crazy how much better you feel when you exercise like a lot of your a lot of your mental health 
uh, and, and physical health stuff will just, you'll just feel better. Yeah. So, so I've broken it down now. So this is all a part of my routine. So on Mondays, like it's a really good, like it's a good long distance running day for me. Like I usually try to like run at, I don't know, seven or seven and a half for an hour, uh, because I can catch up on, like, I've watched all the games on Sunday, but now I have a chance to go back and rewatch them individually instead of at the exact same time. So I can get like the, the cut downs to like, you know, the every play of the game just in super time. So it takes like 15 minutes to watch a game and you get to see every penalty that happened, every throw that happened, every breakdown that happened. So you can like bang out what six of them or four of them, five of them, whatever it is, then go for a little bit of a walk after. So I'm not really lifting too hard on Mondays. And then on Wednesdays, I'm trying to do basically set it up to how fast can I run five miles now? Um, and I'm trying to work up and trying to beat that time every single week. So those are the two like big running days. I'm doing like a split cardio calisthenics day where I'm doing a lot of core, a lot of body weight, like squats. I mean, not just body weight squats, but weighted squats as well, but just trying to get like core and like legs. My hips have been hurting me for so long. So basically like run a mile, go do two rounds of like pull-ups, chin-ups, sit-ups, whatever it might be, lunges, uh, then run for another mile, repeat, run for another mile, repeat. And that's like an hour workout. And then I have like Thursdays and Sunday mornings before football just to go to the gym and shoulders, chest and back lift as heavy as I can twice a week. So I don't, I, well, it's a good routine. Uh, if anyone wants to just copy Pat, they should just do that. I, for a long time, I was on a six day week split where I was lifting on Saturdays and then Sundays were like cardio only or rest or whatever. Um, but I found that Saturdays were a lot of the times when I would want to go golf yeah. or when I would uh, want to go skateboard or whatever. And so then I would be like, okay. And it just, I ha was doing legs on Saturdays, which is the, it's going to be the hardest day on your central nervous system. And you're, you're going to feel the most sore after a leg day. And I did that for probably like five months or something. And I was like, you know what? This is actually stupid. Like I gotta, I gotta change something because I'm either not going golfing because I don't feel good or I'm not golfing very well because I don't feel good. And I changed that up. I, I actually meant to bring this up. I've had like probably the three best consecutive rounds of my life over like the last month, 82, 84, 86, birdied back-to-back -back holes for the first time ever and played a round without losing a ball for the first time ever, like, like the, uh, about as good as it's going to get for me without taking lessons or learning how to swing a driver. What was the cause of that, that you're just feeling like you, because you switched up this exercise routine, or do you think now that obviously you're down 20 something pounds? Like, do you feel like you can I, get through the ball easier now? I, I do. I think it's the weight a little bit. I just think not having as big of a gut is, is a, a little bit more flexible. Um, I also started doing this kooky, pre-shot routine that i mean some people will think this is stupid but i just verbally say out loud what i'm about to do so if i'm 170 yards away from the hole i say all right you're gonna take out your seven iron you're gonna give it a full swing it's gonna land 10 feet short of the pin and if you get lucky you get lucky and then that's just exactly what i do i just i just do what i say i'm gonna do and for some people it probably wouldn't work at all for me, it is very clarifying. I think whatever you can, because for a while, like I got, I lost my game. I, I can't remember if we were talking about this the last time we spoke, but I lost my game midway through the summer. 
think two, was, I think this was two podcasts ago we talked about. This. Yeah, and I ended up getting it back, which is really nice. I'm actually better now than I was before I went into this big slump. But like, how I went from being a seven handicap, basically shooting anywhere between seventy-seven and eighty-two every time that I went out, to legitimately flirting with a hundred for three straight weeks, and like not knowing what happened. And like I Dude, went, that to, is wild. It, it just it, my confidence got shot. I didn't know where the ball was going when I hit it. It could be a massive slice. It could be a massive hook. And just once you get a little bit rattled, a lot rattled can happen. Like you're flubbing chips in front of you that you never flubbed before. And just the shots start to add up. And you forget like when that's the worst, like when you clean your game up and you're not losing balls, he said you played your first ever round without losing a ball. I think that happened to me for the first time last year. And then I played like seven straight rounds without losing a ball. It's like, wow, my scores actually look pretty good when I'm not just, you know, hitting three off the tee all the time and shit like that. Like just the, the little spots where you can clean up your game are so good. And once those like old habits return, you're just like, oh my God, what is happening? And you start like having a little bit of a meltdown. Uh, but then I started like taking way too much. I was basically playing like Kevin Na from 2015, spending like a minute over the ball being so fucking freaked out. I was like, and then it just occurred to me. It's like, what am I doing? Like, I'm not playing for anything. I'm just playing against myself. And I just, yeah. The switch click or the yeah the switch flick back on. I was like, I'm just gonna hit the fucking ball, and then I was fine again. It was weird. That will happen to me over chips. Still, I mean, every once in a while, where I, I, I really what it'll be, and I bet people listening to this will will if you fuck up the, your first one of the day, your your green side, your. 35 feet away from the pin you're like all right i just hit a nice and easy chip but i get make the putt i get my par and then if you if you skull it or you hit the ground just whatever it might be if you mess that first one up of the day then you'll just be like oh well i can't do this and then you're just you're tilting over every shot but if the first one of the day goes good i'm because that's actually i i am laughably short off the tee i do not gain strokes on anyone off the tee so I'm generally behind whoever I'm playing with uh, all, all day, but I make it up around the greens. Cause I'm, I'm just pretty like, obviously I'm not that good of a golfer. I'm like a 15 handicap. I'm, I'm really not that good, but I do make it up with the short stuff. But if I much like you just said, if I'm, if I'm not hitting chips, I mean, I'll be at a hundred, I'll be, I'll be 95. I'll be one Oh two all day because that's the only way I can be better than the golf course. And it is a horrible feeling to be standing 40 yards away from the pin and be like, I have no idea how I'm going to get the ball there. Like, that's like the terrible feeling. Yeah. And it rattles every part of your game. And like, when you have the confidence to go in and hit it, like you, even if you don't get it and you put it in 10 feet, you miss the putt, whatever. It's like, yeah, it was a pretty good shot. And you feel good about it when you stand by it again. Like you said, you flub one or you're in your head about it. Just like this could go anywhere. Like, you know, yeah, like you, then you start sculling the 40 yard shift and you're like in the woods over the green. It's like, Oh my God, what is happening? And you see it, it happens to everyone who plays. This isn't unique to just you and I. Like I see it with my friends who are bad. I see it with my friends who are good. Like the guy that I play with most often, like we have a season long competition. We're both basically the same level of golfer, but we never usually play well on the same rounds. Like he'll have, he'll go like birdie, birdie. It'll be like one under through seven holes. And then it'll be like triple, quad, double. And then he'll get it back together. But like he goes through these three hole stretches where he just loses it somehow. I like that doesn't happen to me. It's either I'm on all round or off all round. But he has these like micro versions around where he just implodes for a few holes. It's kind of, I mean, I feel like that is 
that's got to be relatively common, right? Like implosion, implosionals, because if not, golf would be a lot easier. Yeah, but you implosion know? holes, like you can have like a, like everyone's going to take a quad. Everyone's just going to have a bad hole. Right. But he'll be playing perfect, basically. And then like a four hole stretch, he just loses it. And then he gets back. But it's weird. And like, then he gets they, it, it all comes that's in That's strange. Yeah, that's bizarre. That That I don't see all that often but you do yeah you will see like my my best friend is a way better golfer than me he can hit it way further way straighter he can kind of shot shape and stuff like when he when he's like really on but i i beat him most of the time because i don't make mistakes i don't i don't really i don't lose balls i hit the fairway with my hybrid as off my tee shot you know 70 percent of the time or whatever like i'm not scrambling i'm just mostly playing for par every single hole whereas he'll lose his driver you know he'll he'll the driver will be good for nine holes but then on three holes it puts him behind a tree or he loses it or whatever and uh, i mean that's why that's why everyone just wants to play golf all the time because you're no one's ever really that good at it and you always want to get better yeah so so that ended up having my routine so i it's not that i stopped working out over the summer it's just i put more of an emphasis like i'd rather play golf three times a week than go to the gym on those three days like that that was sort of the trade-off that i made and listen i walk every round i'm still getting my cardio and it's just you do lose strength when you're not actively lifting all the time yes all right the other thing that you wanted to chat about i i'm curious where this is going but a survivor league that starts oh yeah that's not happening I, I don't want to oh, talk about this happening. anymore. I'm very upset about it. And hopefully it can start by like week five. <laughs> okay. All right. I'm in. I actually, um, it's now, these... it was supposed to be ready three weeks ago. It wasn't ready for sure. week one. And they were like, well, maybe we can run it for week two. I was like, well, is it ready? They're like, we don't know yet. I was like, well, we don't know. I, I'm not going to continue to promote this. And then I have it nailed. It just makes me look foolish every single time. I was like, get it ready. Let me know the week that it is ready. And then we'll run a contest the week after for that. Because listen, by like week five or week six, everyone's gonna be able to fucking survivor anyway. So is it'll probably end up being a free pool where the winners split ten thousand dollars. That sound good? Sound. I mean, I'm in. I these uh these side contests, you know, these non non DFS, non season long, uh, whatever you know, picks pools, survivor. I I've actually really come to like these in recent years like it's i actually like uh i i co-manage a uh a survivor pool with sammy reed and our discussions and some of the sweats we've had in survivor over the years have been like some of my favorite moments and i think it's because obviously it's so simple you know like but i i it is like some of the best sweats you you and sammy should record those conversations like that's a good episode well i mean sammy's a dad and he also is on pacific post times i mean we should maybe we should maybe we should but most of the time most of the time we just text about it uh yeah that is that is good content though i mean that is that is uh you do i i sort of resist this urge to make everything content all the time but that is good content you're right yeah i just feel like that would be good content i mean kind of the pools that you're talking about that aren't dfs that aren't betting uh if you download the league safe app right now uh, there's a free game that they're running every single week on the app so it's available on apple and android uh but uh bottom left on the game yeah bottom left on the games there's like a pick them thing every single week. it's like 10 questions and you get points based on like favorites and underdogs like most passing yards this week josh allen or jimmy garoppolo kind of thing 
and whoever has the most points just wins. It's free to play. It's 10 questions. I think the winner gets like 400 bucks. Second gets two, 300 bucks. Third gets 200 bucks. There's just a thousand dollars in the pool every single week. Like if you play it, I mean, these things are great for building your bankroll. They are. I mean, that is, uh, that is very good advice is that if you actually are into grinding those microscopic edges, there are a lot of ways to do it. There are a lot of fantasy platforms out there that you've never heard of that are overlaying every single week there. I mean, there's just, yeah, people are, people are generally inefficient about the way they uh, deploy their financial resources just because like, and I'm, I'm the same way. Uh, guess what? I'm not, I'm not playing the overlay contest on Yahoo every single week. I'm loading in the same contest I played every week for years on DraftKings because that's what I'm used to. And that's part of my routine. One of the, I mean, if one of those DFS sites is out there, wants to get at me about generating content for you, get at Pat Mayo at the PME on Twitter. I mean, I can figure that out. I, I got, I got guys who are looking for work. Uh, we can probably get you some signups. So don't worry about that. Just come talk to me. We'll be good. Uh, what else are we going to say? Oh, the Batman Experience Listeners League is something that people should play in every week. Like you want to like, free, it's baby. not even about grinding micro edges. Just play in a tournament that has no fucking rake. That makes sense. Yes. I play most weeks. I remember to register before it fills. I play. I, I, obviously, uh, I don't, I don't get in it. Um, I don't get in it every week, but it's a good contest. Have you ever won? You you play second in the listener league. Have you ever won the listener league? I, I won the golf listeners league at the Wyndham last year. First first time in seven years I won it. Amazing. I came yeah. second. I came second last year. I think it was. I it was. It's funny because there's Lions Seahawks on the schedule this week. That was the week that I won twenty k last year on DraftKings. I came second in my tournament, and I came second in the one hundred and fifty uh, three max, and I came. I came second in a bunch of tournaments, basically, with I can't remember. It's funny now that I can't remember what it was because you always remember the ones that miss. But I I had Rashad Penny. I recall that very. I had Rashad Penny and DK. Or Lockett. I can't remember which one of them. And then the full like. Hawkinson, Amon Ra and Goff on the other. It was just an overstack of that game. I think there was like 90 points or something. The best. Um, all right. I mean, we gave the people an hour. Do you want to, uh, do you want to, do you want to break out and we can, we can end it here and then we can give the people some football talk if they want it. Yeah. What else? There was something else that I was going to say. Oh yeah. I'm giving away 500 bucks on the, on the Pat Mayo experience. If you, uh, I'm doing that on Friday on the DraftKings show, which you should go check out. It has uh, Tyler Tambolini on it. Tambo's like one of, Tambo's one of the greats. I got to throw that out there. Davis, just a real good guy. I I I've I have no I have no issues. T- Tambo is Tambo is Ship It Nation now, right? Yeah, He's him and Hoop it? went to Ship It Nation, but it's funny though. Like Tambo has kind of been in the middle of all of this controversy, yet no one has ever said a bad word about Tambo. He doesn't even really talk. He's just like, yeah, I'm just gonna grind and do my thing. I love it. Yeah, I, I mean, hey, keep your head down, do the work, and uh, I mean, look, he is he is shipping it. Uh, I I appreciate all DFS sites keeping. Uh, the industry going, you know, the, the, the DFS sites and the, the DFS content sites and the DFS contest hosts are, it's, it's a, it's a synergistic circle, right? Absolutely. You, 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 you need, you need both things to exist. So if you subscribe rate and review five stars to the Pat Mayo experience audio podcast on Apple or Spotify or both for two entries into the draw, uh, we're giving away 500 bucks to the winner of that draw on friday so davis if you want to do that technically you're eligible for the draw as well however if i do pull your name out uh, i'm going to throw it back in and pull someone else 
damn, dude, no five hundred, no five hundred dollars. You hate to, you hate to see it. And you want to talk about That's edges? Out. That's free to do. You're already listening to a podcast. You just in the time that you can count to thirty, you could have all this stuff done. There you go. And you might so, win uh, I I actually that's a that's a good that's a uh, a thing of mine. What a podcast I I believe I've rated and reviewed every podcast that I have in my podcatcher. Me too. Yeah, it's 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 very easy to do. Uh, it takes no time. Like literally, if you're listening to this in your favorite podcatcher, like let's see right now, what what was I listening to? Uh, this morning I was listening to the Road of His Radio Show. I've already rated and reviewed it, but it's like three clicks away and you just five star and you say great show or whatever. It's very, very simple to do. Uh, so do that for the PME. You can do that for the TakeCast too, if you would like. And I will be back next week. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hi, I'm Cindy Lauper. My scalp was covered with psoriasis, which could lead to psoriatic arthritis, but Cosentix treats both. Cosentix Secukinumab is prescribed for adults with moderate to severe plaque psoriasis, 300 milligram dose, and adults with active psoriatic arthritis, 150 milligram dose. Don't use if you're allergic to Cosentix. Before starting, get checked for TB. Serious allergic reactions, severe skin reactions that look like eczema, and an increased risk of infections, some fatal, have occurred. Cosentix may lower ability to fight infections, so tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms like fevers, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough, had a vaccine or plan to, or if IBD symptoms develop or worsen. Learn more at Cosentix.com or 1-844-COSENTIX. Cosentix works for me. Ask your doctor about Cosentix.